oftentimes companies will put out a mission statement or a vision statement, but what are the people looking like, doing like, acting like? That is the mission of that organization. And from there, you can see, is this a place I really want to be or not be? Are you ready to reinvent your organization and create a workplace of the future? Welcome to the Optimized Workplace. My name is Fran Dean Bishop, and I'm the founder and CEO of Aerobody. Join me each week as I welcome innovators, A-listers, and trailblazers who will share their individual experiences with creating an optimized workplace. This podcast will inspire you to find new and unique ways of helping your organization thrive while providing an exceptional experience for your employees and nourishing their well-being. Ready to get started? Learn more at theoptimizedworkplace.co. Welcome to The Optimized Workplace. I'm your host, Fran Dean Bishop, where our discussions with influencers, experts, and innovators are helping transform the well-being and sustainability of today's workplaces and spaces. Today, I have the absolute pleasure of welcoming Anna Malikian. Anna is the human resource or human potential expert and survivor of two bouts of cancer, embodying resilience and inspiring change through self-leadership, and psychology and business, which is really amazing. She's leveraged this background for over 20 years and champions a comprehensive approach to unlocking human potential that considers individual development, the power of relationship, and systemic forces. So that'll be a really interesting discussion, Anna. Anna is also a keynote speaker, and she really focuses and has done extensive research on life experiences and two decades of work in human potential. And I love the fact that you said human potential, not human human factoring, not human performance, but human potential to help audiences everywhere overcome their psychological blind spots and start living healthier, happier, and more purposeful lives. Wow. What an introduction. Welcome, Anna, to the show. My pleasure to be here. So I'd love to start with the actual name of your company and your purpose, because it sounds like you're doing some really purpose-driven work. And something else to add about you, she focuses on something, guys, called the Mindset Zone and conducts you know, really insightful and enlightening um, interviews with, with guests around that. That's, that's the name of one of her shows. So talk to us a little bit about this whole idea around human potential and really helping people unlock that. Because I think most people in corporate who have done, had coaches before are very familiar with blind spots and how blind spots can show up for you. But what do you mean around this human potential to blind spots? So human potential is a term that my background is psychology. So that is a little bit my bias is in terms of the psychology in psychotherapy. Uh, but for the last, since uh, 2010, I'm focusing coaching and personal development and helping really people tap into their human potential. And I see in general, in the story of human potential and how we approach it, that is done in a very individualistic way. And of course, we as individuals, we have the power of doing our self-improvement work that help us to be more proactive out there and less reactive, developing our self-leadership skills that would effects at the personal level, at professional level. So I'm totally pro that self-development work and it's part of my focus. Yet, I think is a very narrow view of human potential. Because human beings, we are also connecting beings. So I think even better than saying 
human beings is connecting beings. We thrive with connection. We thrive with others. We are social animals. So we really can achieve much more together than we can do alone. And in business, why uh, I like the micro business. I myself as a micro business by designing this phase of my life, but I love to work with bigger organizations of all sizes because it's absolutely true. As an organization, a small company to a big corporation, you can have a much bigger impact out there with the power of that connections that you can do through the company. So whatever you are in that spectrum is so is the individual work and then the connecting, the power of others, that in my opinion is also human potential that we can tap into and release in a big way when we have clear the values and clear our mission and vision. Yeah. And then I will add the third dimension that we should take in consideration. That is the systemic one, because we as individuals or as in groups, teams, companies, we don't live in a vacuum. We live within a culture, within systems. That if I, I was, um, when I was growing up, I thought, yes, we have a lot of power. And I still believe as an individual, absolutely. But life taught me that, oh, the systems, systemic forces are real. <laughs> very and, real and very and very uh, active, you could even yes. say, and very powerful. And in my opinion, being aware of them, what are the rules of the game? How do they work? How do they influence us? And how we can, as individuals and as in groups, influence them creates a dynamic that, again, allows us to tap in an even bigger, more exponential human potential because we can change the culture, we can change the systems, but we have to be aware of those systemic forces. So and my, I'm so curious with that, what does the research show? So you've got these three factors, as you said, that sometimes people realize um, are at play. Sometimes mm-hmm. they don't realize they're at play and, and they're outliers that really are, are forcing you into certain zones or, or into certain uh, vacuums, if you will, or even into certain uh, actions or, or non-actions to things. I mean, you look at what's happened around um, DEI, for instance, or you look and see what's happening even around, you take it, jump all the way laterally from DEI to something like ESG. So environmental social uh, governance, where you know, you've got forces in terms of what's driving the profitability of organizations. So those external forces that then are going to drive to many, uh, in many ways, the decisions that corporate leaders are going to make. So I'm so curious, what does the research say among those three factors in terms of, is there one that kind of leads in a more impactful way than others? And secondly, to that question, are people how much are people aware based on the research that these factors are at play? And I still have to find the research that does that comparison. And if I was still in academia, that will be a great topic. I did my PhD many years ago, but that will be a great topic to the PhD students out there that <laughs> uh, I would love to have more data in these. We have pockets of data, isolates, and then we bring it together. But if you think about, I think any people in the corporate world recognize the power of the culture of the company. That are systemic forces. Mm-hmm. And it's the complexity. When we are speaking in big organizations like corporations that have offices, 
in different places, even in the United States. But if we go internationally that they have a headquarters somewhere and their office in other places, they know in their day-to-day the complexity of the different cultural systems. Or even think about when the CEO of the company changes, that changes the culture. And sometimes people are not aware of the power of the leadership. It really sets the tone. Yes, we can try to create organizations that are more horizontal and all of that, but leaders set the tone and we have to have a conversation about that. And then political forces, even DEI was like, was something working in diversity, equity and inclusion was there for a long time, but then was with the the Black Lives Matters after George Floyd, horrible situation that really came um, to the foreground in a big, big way. And then companies, oh, we cannot not look to this anymore. Who are the experts out there that can help us on that? And now it's like the the political situation here in the United States is almost in certain circles. There is not a, a good thing anymore. And I think let's bring these lenses of the systemics. We have to recognize the systemic forces, but then not let the baby go with the bathwater. We know mm-hmm. from data, and that is where the data, the research can be very helpful for anybody in the spectrum of their opinions and their lenses. We know that in corporations, innovating is part of the dynamic that they have to cultivate to keep thriving. And most uh, leaders in, uh, in, in big organizations will agree with that. So if innovation is something that you want to nurture, wonderful. We know that diversity really can help innovation in a big way. Mm-hmm. Diversity of cultures or diversity of ethnicity, diversity of upbringing, diversity of generations, mm-hmm. all those being different perspectives to the table that can, in the right environment, can allow more innovation to thrive. But people have to feel safe. You have to create an environment that is there is a, a sense of inclusion that you belong to. So these things is how do you say if we 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 see the big pictures, what are the trends? All of that as impossible, but are important. But then also look to the data and see okay, wherever you are, do you want to throw this potential? this human potential out of the window just because of the fabes and the yeah. trends out there. No, let's yeah. let's unlock that and see where that can take you. I love that. I think because what you're really saying is that you're you're taking this this discussion around human potential and you're really letting it marinate. There's no really right way, wrong way, fast answer, fast conclusion, solution, but it really does need to marinate for a while. I'm so curious, have you found through your research, your interviews, or even your work in human potential? I'm I'm always one that, you know, it's great to see the research. It's great to see the data. It's great to hear the philosophical understanding. But what's the application, right? What's the app? How do we how do we really help change the trajectory of what the workforce dynamic is is like, the cultural dynamic within an organization? So that it's not just yeah, philosophical exercise of conversation, 
where's the application? And I'm so curious, you know, we have an audience of leaders, but we also have an audience of individuals who work for, you know, big organizations. Is there anything that you have seen in terms of a tool that exists for individuals to thereby identify whether or not an organization will support their zone, if you will, of human potential? You know, hopefully this is not another yeah. PhD student opportunity. Yes. No, but, <laughs> but, there's a so, real, but it really exists. Is, the, is but, there anything you've seen? Let me bring to a, a very concrete thing. Nowadays, everybody out there speaking about burnout. Mm-hmm. And if you ask, okay, is burnout increasing? Everybody will say, oh, yes, we think we are seeing it in the Gallup poll, uh, in other places, a lot of data coming up about the, since the COVID situation is but it's still very hot topic, the burnout. Um, and um, that is a topic that I think we have, that is creating problems like turnover in organization and so forth and lack of productivity and so forth. So it's really hitting the bottom line, the profits, and, and organizations are paying attention to it. An interesting thing about the burnout is that um, the burnout symptoms are felt by the individual. It's the individual that feels the burnout and sometimes decides to quit, decides to quiet quit, decides to leave the organization and try something else, or has a health problem or a mental health issue that they have to withdraw. So I'm really an advocate that we have to be more proactive. Instead of reacting, we should be proactive in everything, including this situation, and do burnout prevention. Being aware of the red flags in the individual and the individual themselves, but then the organization has to be receptive to this. Mm-hmm. When people that were uh, very driven, motivated, are starting to show signs that uh, things are dragging, they are not being productive, they are not enjoying what they are doing anymore. Let's pay attention to this. We have tools. I usually work with organizations with a tool that has more than 40 years of research from Christina Maslash team on burnout. Is the uh, Maslash Burnout Inventory that allow us to see where people, where a group of people, a team, imagine a team, where mm-hmm. the, a group of people, where they fall in terms, because the burnout is not an on and off kind of thing. You, we have to see it as the extreme negative side of a continuum. Mm-hmm. So I like to imagine, if you imagine uh, one line, a vertical line representing the level of energy, we can be exhausted. No energy is the lower part. No energy, exhausted, depleted. That is people when are in, in full burnout are like are in that state. But in the opposite side, in the top of that vertical light line, we have being on the flow, mm-hmm. being in the flow of the high performance. That is a great energy to be in. So let's consider that energy thing. Then, if you consider horizontal line for the sense of connection with your purpose. Mm-hmm. So through, if you go to the right of that line, you are in connected with your purpose, with your mission. To the left of the line, you are disconnected to the point of being cynical. Think about nurses or think about the teachers that went to the profession. 
full of mission and good intentions, but after years and years of being beaten up by the system and by everything, starting to be cynical about what what the work that they are doing. Mm -hmm. So if you see this, if you create a quadrant like that, Mm -hmm. people fall into full burnout when they are cynical and depleted of energy. That is the burnout that we want to prevent. But we have three other quadrants. We have uh, the next to the burnout that is just one step away of the burnout is what we call the overextended. People Mm -hmm. are depleted of energy because they are overextended, but they are still connected with the Mm -hmm. purpose that keeps them going, that they are dragging. That describes a lot of CEOs out there. (laughs) Absolutely. And, And they think that because they are still very connected with their purpose, Mm-hmm. They, that is totally the antidote that they will not fall in the burnout. Sorry, is wrong. I like to uh, wrong. <laughs> I, I like to give the image. If you are overextended, if you fall in that zone, and the, there are tools, ten minutes inventory that allow us to see where people fall in these four yes. quadrants. If they are in the overextended zone, I like to tell them that it's like the frog in the hot, hot water mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. is just the temperature is increasing one degree at a time people don't notice that increase until it's fully boiling and then they are just in the burnout so yeah. it takes time to recover from full burnout so Absolutely. let's act in overextended but then you still have two other quadrants you have the quadrant of the side that people still have energy so above mm-hmm. the burnout uh, they still have the energy that they are disconnected. Think about quiet quitting. Yes. They are not connecting with the mission of the company. Why? Or they say they do what stays in the job description. And that's still a form of burnout, right? So you, exactly. I mean, you're quiet quitting. So you're really not attached to the mission yes. or the vision. And you're kind of on your own mission and vision. And then there's the opposite side of that where, you know, like you're saying that like you could still be in that extreme. So then where does a company or a leader move their team to if they exactly. see that? Is that the quadrant? Because you think that because the quiet quitting is also feeding the overextended. Because mm-hmm. if we get more people involved in the purpose, we can distribute the work better and increase the productivity in general. So we have to bring people to the other quadrant. That is when people are full of energy in the flow of the high performance and mm-hmm. on purpose is the engage profile. We know here in the United States and the Gallup has been doing research for years about this, and we are in the 30% of engagement that, oh my gosh, 30% comparing to Europe that are in the teams, 30% is really good, but we can increase that. We can nurture the culture of the company, everything to bring more people from the other quadrants to that engaged quadrant and spend more time in that zone, because there is where we can do the magic happen that we can create a bigger positive impact out there while yeah. preventing the burnout. We can achieve amazing things while yeah. having time to have a life. And I think that is bravo, right? Because I think it's what employers want, but it's also what your team wants or your employees want. People want to feel connected to a vision or a mission that they can really get behind and support. You look at the companies that are able to do that from a perhaps a, a, a SpaceX to a Zappos, 
those are companies that, that or Disney, where people are constantly looking at them as a case study as to what is it that gets people to really attach to and really take on and embody that mission or that vision of the organization. But at the same time, as you said, they've leveraged the energy across the spectrum of the organization. And, and I love what you were saying around, you know, really starting with an assessment. We always start with, at Aerobodies here, we always start with assessing, you know, where is your team? Where is your team showing up? What's happening with your team? You cannot, you know, throw money at a dartboard and think that you have the assumption of 10 people, let alone a thousand people, let alone 10,000 people. It's not about what's in your head. It's about what's really showing up from them. And then after you make that assessment, as you just said, then you can go about creating some sort of solution around whether it's bringing people into the culture more, into um, the uh, vision of the organization more, really driving with that, and then everything follows through that. So as we round the corner of this conversation, I'd really like to hear from you. You know, we're getting ready to move into a new year. You do some really purpose-driven work, which is sounds like it's been really amazing. And it's been an amazing journey for you, not just with the research, but also with many of the people that you've worked with. I'm so curious for you, what are you looking forward to most as we go into 2024? Um, not only from just a research perspective, but as a game changer yourself when it comes to human potential, um, human performance, the workplace, and culture. I'm uh, uh... Part of my work this year was uh, getting clarity of the direction of my business for the next three, four, five years. And uh, I have a very clear picture, and I think that is so important. And part of the process was revisiting and rearticulating my MVVs, mission, vision, and values. And I think for an individual, yeah, we do usually this with organizations, but for organizations, you don't need a binder. You need one pager or even half of a page that one phrase for your mission, maybe one paragraph for your vision, where you want to be adding, and three to five values that are core with one line definition for each. But if people ask you your values and you go, uh, I have to consult the folder, we did some work on it. <laughs> no, you have to... Not working. You and the rest of your team and the rest of your employees, that has to be top of mind. So it has to be simple that mm -hmm. everybody and can be different. The culture you refer, name of companies that usually are brought as a case studies because they have and they have different cultures and different formulas to make it work. But there yeah. is an alignment that makes it work. So and as for individuals, if we articulate that to ourselves. And then we associate by employment, by contracting, by gig, whatever we do with companies that are in alignment with our core values, make our work much more enjoyable and mm -hmm. prevents in a certain degree the burnout. As long as we also understand that we have the tendency to put more in our to-do list that is humanly possible to do, we can keep a little bit things under a, a good uh, in a good place and being that zone of full engagement. That is bravo. I hope everyone really caught what Anna was hitting on there. So often you start working for an organization that is not aligned with your purpose and your personal values. And so she was basically saying, which I truly believe you need to have your own personal mission statement. 
And then once you understand what those core values are that you will not delineate one way or the other from, then you look at what the mission statement is of that organization and look at the values of the people that work there. Because oftentimes, you know, companies will put out a mission statement or a vision statement, but what are the people looking like, doing like, acting like? That is the mission of that organization. And from there, you can see, is this a place I really want to be? Or not be. I love that. That's such a fantastic nugget to end on, Anna. Thank you so much for that. So before we let you go, anything you want to hear about Anna will be in the show notes. So you can follow her. You can learn more about the mindset zone and obviously about human potential, which is fantastic work. I, I'm going to get in the habit of asking my guests, how do you, we, you know, here at Aerobodies, we're all about well-being and well-being for the employee for the culture and for the business, right? So how do we embody that? So I'm so curious, how are you planning to embody well-being and health in the new year? Great question. And the question that I'm a workaholic by nature. So I have to balance that and be very focused with my energy and my purpose and make things happen. But then also take time to enjoy, to spend time with my family, to spend time exercising. And I think it's always a work in progress, but in this new year, I'm even more determined to make it happen, even with the new projects that I have in the play. It's, for instance, one thing. Okay, one thing that I start to do in this last quarter, and I want to keep doing in the next year. I bought, and this, I, I don't have an affiliate link at all, but I just, I, I got into the Aura Ring. Uh, and anybody that would like that, speak with somebody that already has one because we can give a discount code uh, to anybody that. Uh, so anybody that has one in the app can get a discount code to give to somebody else. But the thing is, that allows me to know my numbers in my sleep, how much I'm sleeping and the quality of my sleep. Mm, very and nice. I think this is something really, really important. We have to honor, even when we are very busy, we have to honor resting and recovering and restoring. And our sleep is one of the key elements of it. Myself, for many years, I cut in my mom with a kid. I cut in my sleep in a big, big way, and I pay a huge price for that. Mm. Now, sleeping seven to eight hours is something that I prioritize, and tools like this really help me to keep it going and to keep uh, the numbers, don't lie, measuring really help us to manage uh, and that is one of the things that I have promised myself to keep honoring my sleep in 2024. Bravo, Anna. Bravo. Rest, recovery, and restoration. That is absolutely. I mean, it's not about having a thousand different ways in which you're embodying well-being. It's about finding that one thing, that one tool or that one embodiment that is something that will constantly remind you I have to take care of my body, mind, soul. If I don't, then nothing else matters. So I'm so happy to hear that you're putting yourself first in that way and that you're checking in on the workaholic nature of self, which is a, a work in progress. As a CEO to CEO, I get it 100%, but at least you're aware of it and you're trying to do things to work in harmony with that. So bravo. And thank you once again for being with us on the Optimized Workplace. 
My pleasure. And thank you all for joining us again for The Optimized Workplace. I'm your host, Fran Dean Bishop. Thank you so much for dialing in. And remember, it's many that small, monumental moments that make the biggest difference in your life. So find that way to embody wellness. Visit us at wellteamculture.com and also look at the show notes where all of Anna's information will be today. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of The Optimized Workplace. For more insights and resources, visit theoptimizedworkplace.co. If you enjoyed this episode, please help spread the word and share with those who will enjoy it as well. See you soon.